Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number three of Genesis chapter eight. We're going to be reading the first four verses. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters Return from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. I'll stop reading there. Now, um, in our last study, we saw that the English word assuaged, at the end of verse 1, the waters assuaged, was found, I think it was five times in the Bible, and in two of the places in the book of Esther, it had to do with the appeasement of wrath. In Esther 2.1 and Esther 7 verse 10, we read in one place that this word was translated appeased, and in the other, pacified, once King Ahasuerus hanged Haman, then his wrath was pacified. And it has to do with the idea of a pouring out of wrath that has accomplished its goal. It, it has destroyed its enemy, like Ahasuerus hanged Haman on the gallows he had built to hang Mordecai. And and so now Haman was dead. He had been hanged. There was nothing further to do to him because death is final punishment for the unsaved. There's, there's nothing after that. And so the death of Haman pacified the anger of the king. Likewise, God poured out his wrath, his fierce anger, upon the inhabitants of the world of Noah's day, and he did so through the flood, the the waters of the flood. And so it says, and the waters pacified, or the waters appeased. At this point, after 150 days, we know it's 150 days, because Genesis 7.24 told us, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days, And after 150 days, the purpose for the flood was accomplished, which was destroy to destroy everything with the breath of life. All the animals, all the creatures, creeping things, flying things, and man. They were all destroyed, everything with the breath of life outside of the ark. Therefore, the waters were appeased. There, there was nothing further for them to do 
insofar as killing the world that was already destroyed. It, it, it was done. It, it was a finished work. That's why when we read verses 2 and 3, we find that God is speaking of the flood outlets. Uh, in verse 2, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven. If we go back to Genesis 7, verse 11, the beginning day of the flood in the 600th year of Noah's life and the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. These were the outlets that delivered the water to flood the earth to destroy all with the breath of life. Again, the purpose was accomplished, and therefore the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the word stopped is only used, I think, three times, um, and two of the three is translated stopped and here and once in the Psalms where it speaks of the mouths of the wicked shall be stopped, it means they'll speak no further. And likewise, uh, no further rain would come to destroy the earth. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And then it goes on, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the word restrained, we find translated as stayed in Haggai chapter 1 verse 10 therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit and that means that there was no water and without water there would be no fruit so there was a restraint placed upon God sending forth water to water the earth and that would result in a lack of fruit or harvest. So again, uh, this word is describing the water, the rain. The rain from heaven was restrained. It was stayed. God stopped it. The waters were appeased. Therefore, they stopped. They were stayed. Then in verse 3, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And so the waters reached their high mark. And after 150 days, they began to return uh, with the distilling process. Uh, there would be evaporation, and they would go back up into the clouds. So they they went from whence they came. The waters had accomplished God's purpose, and they did not return void. They definitely had finished the work of God that God had sent it forth for them to do. And, and so the waters return from off the earth continually. This, this would have uh, been going on from the 150 day point. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. So God definitely, he let us know in the previous chapter in Genesis 7:24, the waters prevailed 
And, and again, remember, nine times in chapter 7, the waters are increasing, 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 15 cubits above the highest mountain. They prevail, prevail, prevail. It's victory for the waters that represent the word of God. Chapter 8 lets us know that after 150 days, the waters have accomplished their purpose Therefore, they are stopped, they are stayed. Again, they're synonyms that God is using. He's really strongly emphasizing no more water. And not only that, but the water that had come upon the earth, and the water definitely represented the wrath of God, his his anger against mankind's sin. The waters were now abating. And the word abating, it's 2637 in Strong's Concordance, and it's a word that means to lack or want. The same word in Psalm 23, I shall not want. So this is saying the waters were lacking. They were wanting. That is, you had a certain level of water, and the next day there would be less and and so there was a lack to the water. The same word, Hebrew word, which is translated as abated, is translated in verse 5 as decreased. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. So we we know without any question what it means that they abated. And it's very clear what God is telling us, that the waters are now going down, going down. There's no one left to kill. Everyone to be killed has been killed. And that means the 150 days, and very significantly, God tells us when the 150-day point was reached in verse 4. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. So from the beginning of the flood, and we know the exact day the flood began, seventeenth day of the second month of Noah's 600th year. 150 days passed. And God tells us what day that is. Seventeenth day of the seventh month of Noah's 600th year. So you can see that very clearly on a calendar. If you would mark a calendar and you have the second month over here and you circle the seventeenth day and then you go third month, seventeenth day, fourth, fifth, Six, seventh month, seventeenth day, circle that. It's an even five months. It's an even five months. And we, we have to search the Bible and we have to try and find out. Now, why is God indicating that his wrath, it was ferocious, it was a terrible wrath, and it continued and continued and continued and the waters kept rising for 150 days, an exact five months. 
Now, wouldn't all of the people and everything with the breath of life have been destroyed after three months? Yes. After four months? Certainly. Why did God wait until five months before having this announcement? That's really what it is. It, it's, it's sort of an official decree. It's an announcement from God. The waters are pacified. The wrath of God is appeased. And therefore, the rain from heaven stops and abates and, and returns and, and so forth. He, he's saying it so many different ways, so we can't miss it. But for five full months, five complete months, it, it was the opposite. It was a, a terrible outpouring of his anger. And so we have to search the Bible and and look to see, is there anywhere else that speaks of a period of wrath for five months? And, of course, there is in the book of Revelation. Now, to start with, let's go to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation 8. And in Revelation 8, God begins to announce the blowing of four trumpets. And these first four trumpets bring judgment upon the third part. Again and again, we won't read all the verses, but if you read it, you'll find that it's the third part, the third part, the third part that has come under the judgment of God. And the third part identifies with the true believers, but the true believers were in the churches, and therefore the church took upon that identification of the third part, even though... When this judgment on the churches would finally get underway at the end of the world during the Great Tribulation period, God would call his people, who are actually identified as a third part in Zechariah 13, out of the church. Yet, the corporate body continued to suffer the wrath of God, and and again, with that identification as the third part. And so the first four trumpets are describing the judgment upon the third part, which would be the corporate church. It's describing judgment beginning at the house of God. And it says in Revelation 8, verse 12, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day show not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. That's basically the concluding statement describing the judgment upon the third part, again, which uh, represents the churches and congregations of the world. Then in verse 13, it's the last verse of chapter 8, there's a transition statement, because following the judgment on the churches... When judgment begins there and is carried out over the course of the 23-year Great Tribulation period, but then at the conclusion of the Great Tribulation, there's a transition from the judgment on the church to the judgment on the world. And Revelation 8.13 is that transition verse. 
It says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and the last three trumpets will be identified each with a woe. The three trumpets or three woes are, they're the same thing. And yet it's a key statement. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. There's the transition statement. It's no longer a judgment on the third part, but upon the inhabitants of the earth. And if we go back to Jeremiah chapter 25, in verse 29, it says, For lo, I began to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. And, and that agrees with judgment begins at the house of God. And then it goes on to say, And should ye be utterly unpunished? God is now speaking to the people of the world. Ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. And and then the following verses do give some information about God's judgment on the world. But, but you see that phrase, inhabitants of the earth, from the judgment upon the city, which is called by God's name, the churches, to the inhabitants of the earth. Likewise, in Isaiah 24, this chapter, the entire chapter, is describing God's final judgment of the world. It says in Isaiah 24:17, Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. Actually, it says at the end of the next verse, verse 18, For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. We uh, recognize that language from what we just read in Genesis with a flood account. The windows on high, that God poured out his wrath from the windows on high upon the earth. And here, fear in the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. So, in Revelation 8.13, God is giving notice that after judging the church in chapter 8, Chapter 9, which will begin to discuss the three woes or the final three trumpets, are a picture of the judgment of the inhabitants of the earth, the, the nations, the, the unsaved people of the world that are within the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. Now let's read Revelation 9, and that's where we'll read about five months, beginning in verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. 
Remember Isaiah 24, 17 said, Fear and the pit are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. The condition of the bottomless pit rises, comes up to the earth, and it darkens the sun, so that the earth takes upon itself the condition that was previously in the pit alone. But, you see, hell and the grave have risen because it's judgment day and and God is killing mankind. Well, it goes on to say in verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. We've talked about this before. We're not going to go into proving it right now. But the locusts typify God's elect. They don't come out of the pit, but it says they came out of the smoke because the smoke identifies with fire and the wrath of God and the locusts are bringing the wrath of God. They are God's people left on the earth and God, one of the purposes God left them is to carry out this task. And and so the locust uh, unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And then in verse 4, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Now let me just explain verse 6 before going on. Death in the Bible, in this case, is really speaking of death in Christ that occurs in salvation. When, when God saves someone, it's, it's as though someone has died, uh, and it, uh, well, again, we're not going to get into this, but you could look at Romans chapter six, where, well, I guess I better, um, just maybe look at one verse in Romans six. It says, um, in verse three, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And that's through salvation. We're baptized into his death, therefore we die, and our life is hid in Christ with God. In a figure, that's how God views it. But in those days, and that's in those days after that tribulation, men seek death, identification with that death in Christ that occurs only in salvation, and shall not find it They will desire to die, or that death in Christ, but death shall flee from them. That is, there will be no salvation. Then it says in verse 10 of Revelation 9, And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. So again, we find that five months reference it was, as verse 5 said, it was given unto them, they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented 
five months. And during that five months, they have power to hurt men. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean that they have power to hurt men for five months? Well, the Greek word translated as hurt is number 91 in Strong's Concordance. I would pronounce it adikio, adikio, and it is the identical word that we find in Revelation 22 and verse 11, where it says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. The word unjust in both uses is the word translated as hurt. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. We have understood this verse to mean that in the day of judgment, where we find ourselves, that once God has shut the door of heaven, every man's spiritual condition is established, it's set, it will never change. And and really, that's the only way to understand this verse. Why else would God say, uh, let someone who's unjust be unjust still, or filthy be filthy still, and and one who is righteous be righteous still? Isn't the whole point of the gospel to bring it forth that men might be translated out of darkness? But we don't find this kind of language used elsewhere. But it fits the time and season, or it fits the occasion of judgment. God's judgment, when again everyone's spiritual condition is firmly fixed and can never change. And, uh, you know, the word unjust is the same word as hurt. And the word hurt is the same word as unjust. And it so happens that the way they're translated differently helps us in unjust will help us back in Revelation and hurt will help us in Revelation 22. Let's go back to Revelation 9. And it says in verse 10, they had tails like unto scorpions and there were stings in their tails and their power, this is the locus or God's elect, their power was to hurt men five months or to make men unjust or uh, not actually, it's not them doing it, but to unjust men five months. And we, we can see as it's used in Revelation 22, 11, it's really set against righteous. So the idea is to be unrighteous. And, and so their power was to unrighteous men five months. That's the torment. The torment of the teaching of the Bible is to declare to all of the unrighteous, the wicked of the earth, you will remain unrighteous. There is no possibility of change. No possibility of salvation. And and that will take place over the course of the entire five months that must be the duration of Judgment Day. 
And in Revelation 22, now we, we substitute the word used back in, the English word used back in chapter 9. He that is hurt, let him be hurt still. You see how that goes along with what Revelation 9, 6 said, that men will seek death and not find it. Death will flee from them when they desire to die. They're, they're hurt. They're unrighteous. They, uh, they're unjust. And let them or let him be hurt still for the entire five months because God's wrath must be pacified. It must be appeased and it will be poured out for the complete Five months, period. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.